0: Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. So, are you horny? (laughs) Welcome to episode number 45. What a way to start, huh? Today... I want to talk about lust. What is it? And why is it one of the seven deadly sins? Well, lust is a strong craving for sex. It's a taboo subject. People don't like to talk about it. Especially people who attempt to become a righteous person, attempt to... To walk the spiritual path. Then they're like, sex? No, I can't get rid of that. That's crazy. No way. That's, no way I can't do that. (laughs) Oh, there's so much to talk about here. There's so much psychological attachment to talk about here. And there is a very energetic side to all this. First of all, let's understand what you're craving. You're craving the orgasm, right? Everything else is a lead up. It's all a lead up. This is why they call it climax. It's to the top of the mountain. They did a study on rats, or mice rather a few decades ago where they hooked the mouse, mouse up to like an electrical shock that gave them an orgasm the mouse killed itself kept hitting the button over and over and over and it died i'd be willing to bet that most humans if you ha- if you had a button on your left elbow and every time you pressed that button you had an orgasm <laughs> you wouldn't even bother with sex you would just be like, you know what, let me hit my button. <laughs> you'd be at your job, you'd excuse yourself to go to the bathroom, go in the stall, close the door, hit your button three times, and have a monster orgasm. Why? Because at that point your tolerance would have went up. Because you'd be hitting your button so many times a day, now you've got to hit it three times. What is it about the orgasm? there's something spiritual about it that you might be missing. I'll get to that in a little bit. But it's important to note that we are animals. And animals like to hump. Interestingly enough, there's only a few animals on this planet that do it for pleasure. Most animals mate to procreate. I believe the animals are humans, pigs, dolphins, and primates. If I'm not mistaken, those are the animals that mate for pleasure as well as procreation. Lust can completely possess you. Just like hunger can possess you. Anger can possess you. Any of the seven deadly sins can possess you. But I think lust is, can be, the ultimate. It's strong. It's a powerful desire. I think the best night a socially engineered, unawake, mechanical person can have would be To have a great orgasm and then to follow that with their favorite food and their favorite television program. (laughs) That would be the unawakened person's best night. But to someone that's awake and non-mechanical and breaks their social programming, that's not the best night. I've seen people flip out I've talked about this earlier podcast back in the first 12 when I was doing the inner peace practice when when I was taking on clients and I was helping them to heal themselves you have to go through a subtraction process with your diet and some people will just flip out you take their favorite food away that's their comfort that's their stimulation They're not happy with their life. So ice cream is what it is. Pizza is what it is. Steak and potatoes is what it is. Potato chips is what it is. Don't take this away from me. Please don't. I hate my life. And orgasm is right there. And even for folks that don't have a partner, obviously they can, they can masturbate and still achieve orgasm. It's something that becomes ingrained in us by the time we get to be 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. As soon as we have our first orgasm, it becomes an infatuation. Similar to, to the imaginary button on the left elbow. Oh, I can hit this button and achieve this amazing feeling. people become obsessed with it why is that well I'm about to tell you first let me take a sip of my mullion leaf tea here boosting my immune system (laughs) When you have an orgasm, you go into a state of no mind. It may not last long, it may just be 10 seconds, but you go into a state of no mind where the past is irrelevant and the future is irrelevant. You're ingrained in the present moment, the power of the present. This is a glimpse, just a glimpse into what a self-realized, enlightened person deals with every day, every moment. (laughs) So that's what people are looking for with the orgasm. They they have a a bad day at work and they come home and what do they want to do? They want an orgasm stress reliever it takes away the pain of thinking about the past even if it happened three hours ago something bad happened three hours ago Well, I don't want to remember that pain that torment that annoyance that happened to me three hours ago give me an orgasm <laughs> really the person is looking for relaxation and what happens after orgasm your body goes into a state of relaxation that's why uh the stereotype was always that's when you light up a cigarette right (laughs) after orgasm you lay there calmly and you just you're just relaxed When you reach a state of present moment, when you reach a state of entering the stream, the life force stream, then you are constantly in that post-orgasm feeling. It's blissful and relaxing, calm. Nothing else matters. And so people are searching. That's why the orgasm is so important to the human being. And they just don't even know it. But what about the psychology behind it? Well, this is my observation. And this is general. Obviously, there's an exception to every generality here. Men are looking for control and power. This is what I used to do in my 20s. It's funny. I was telling some of my sexual exploits to a female friend a few years ago. and She was like, wow, you sound like the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. I never read the book or seen the movie, so I was like, oh, okay. But that's what I used to like to do. I used to like to be in control and be in power. Blindfolds and <laughs> and lots and lots of dirty talk. Games, and stuff like this. You know. A man gets off by being in control. I'm the man. And I... Ah, uh, the more you can make a woman whimper, and moan, and possibly scream, the more a man's ego is fueled. Because at the end of the day, a man is put as far as sex goes. A man is putting in a lot of work just for th- a twenty thirty second orgasm, and then that feeling after. But all the work going into it is. <laughs> It's all control and power. Because our sexual organs are are set up differently. Now, women are set up in a way that they can receive pleasure throughout the whole thing. Right? A woman's body is erotic. Every inch of skin can be pleasured. A woman has this gift to be able to just be pleasured in every way maybe maybe it's because they have the once a month period and they give birth to babies and it's like well you're going through that annoyance so let me give you this beautiful gift (laughs) women can be pleasured to the max a man cannot and they can have multiple orgasms a man has to wait 20 30 minutes before he can even attempt to have another orgasm women are set up differently a lot of women want to be dominated they want a confident man that's just gonna put it down <laughs> put it down and sometimes it's the other way throughout my 20s i i you know there were plenty of women that came through my apartment and you know or my parents' house early on, and just you know they they liked my uh, swag I guess you can call it my my confidence, and they just let me uh, have my way with them, you know and I got off on that and they got off on that and then I remember <laughs> later on I must have been twenty five twenty six I was at a me- remember. I was in the music business, so I was in radio, and so I met a woman at a record label. Who she must have been twelve, thirteen, fourteen, maybe even fifteen years older than me. She was probably early tw- early forties, maybe late thirties. I was twenty five, maybe twenty six, and she-, she liked me. And she was flirting with me heavy. She was even attempting to fondle me underneath the table. Because we were at an event. We were at an event where the record label was, you know, taking the radio station out to dinner. It was pretty inappropriate when you think about it. If a man did this, he'd go to jail. (laughs) But she was just having her way with me, like, super aggressive. And eventually she you know, she told me afterwards she said look I want, you, I want you to come back to my hotel and I want you I'm, I'm not using uh, graphic words here but she said I want you to come back to my hotel and I want you to give it to me <laughs> I had to make a decision here's my chance an older powerful woman wants me right now it's hot and heavy stuff I remember calling my my best friend, Taylor. I'm like, dude. <laughs> I told him the situation. I'm like, I don't know what to do. He's like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? Go, go smash. What are you talking about? But I'm like, but dude. She's powerful and she has connections. And that could hurt my radio show. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're right. He's like, you're right. He's like, well, if you're not... If you're not confident, don't do it. Because you could blow it. <laughs> and I did. I backed out. I told her, no, I think it's best if we just be friends. She respected that. And she threw me a lot of interviews over the years, actually. We became friendly. She respected me for turning her down. I wasn't used to a woman taking control I was used to being in control. And I panicked. I panicked. I couldn't handle it. Take me out of control? What? <sighs> that story is an example. So most men, they want to be in control. They want the woman to whimper and scream and moan. And take get off on that power trip. Beg for it. In the middle of the day, even though we're not going to see each other till. You know, 6 p.m. You know, hit me up at, at at 1 p.m. and let me know how much you can't wait or how much you want it. Men really get off on that. Women, most women, they're just trying to get their nut off. They just want that feeling. Pay attention the next time you make love or think back to all the times you made love. ladies, How many times have you closed your eyes? You're not even looking at the guy. Fellas, have you noticed a lot of times they close their eyes? (laughs) If you close your eyes, it's a form of masturbation at that point. Because you're not even there. You're not even present. You're imagining. Or you're too ashamed to look the guy in his eyes. Do you feel dirty? Do you feel like a hoe, as they call it? Women become addicted to the orgasm more than men. I have a lot of female friends. I've talked to a lot of females over the years, and this is my observation. They want to get their nut off multiple times. You want to make a woman angry? have sex with her give her a good pounding (laughs) and be done before she gets her nut off she will be angry (laughs) oh my gosh it's true she'll be like why did we even do that I wanted my orgasm why do you get yours why don't I get mine There's a deep psychology behind this. Women become addicted to that orgasm. They want it bad. And when they find a guy that knows how to push their buttons and ring their bell, they become addicted to that guy. Even if he's not right for her. I've seen this so many times. I've had friends who ring the girl's bell so bad <laughs> that she sticks around for so long and the guy takes advantage of her. Drives her car, eats her food, takes her money, <laughs> practically lives at her apartment or house. Why? Because she's having the best orgasms of her life. So now she becomes a slave to his penis. And many men, once they build up their confidence, they can take advantage of this. They can't even hold it against the girl. She's yelling at him for something, and he's just like, Oh, all right, well, now, I was going to do this to you tonight. she be like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> Did you ever think these words would be spoken on the peace pod? (laughs) It's all relevant to what we're trying to achieve on this podcast. Inner peace. Self-realization. Here's the reality, my friend. Sex is spiritual. It's not supposed to be Like Santos Bonacci called it on episode 38, he called it ejaculatory sex. Ejaculatory sex. I call it pornographic sex. It's not what it's supposed to be. In fact, let's talk about pornography real quick. It's a very important topic. Pornography is very negative for our minds. Just like watching a horror movie is negative for our minds. Just like watching a gangster movie or listening to gangster rap or um, some form of heavy metal. It's negative for our minds. Pornography is a vision that gets stuck in your head. And it's really not real. It's a new phenomenon. People started having sex, pulling hair, smacking booty... Certain dirty talk. It's a new phenomenon. From pornography. Pornography came out and... I, I, don't, I didn't do my research. I would guess the 60s, 70s. And now... You can get it on the computer for free. On the internet. <laughs> when I was 13, 14 years old, you had to steal dad's VHS tapes. <laughs> Put them back before he found them. So just imagine what the 13, 14-year-olds are going through now in this new society. They're going on online. They're getting their pornography, and they're becoming addicted to it. They're masturbating. And a, a physician once told me that um, there's a new generation of young men... In their early 20s who get prescriptions to Viagra and Cialis because they're going limp they're, they've become impotent from pornography and why is that it's because these pornography sites it's like a buffet it's like a buffet of food so you know this morning you have fantasy sex with the Asian woman and tonight you have a threesome and then tomorrow you have uh, uh, fantasy sex in your office (laughs) and then that night you have fantasy sex with you know a redhead and it's like you have your you have your pick of what you want and you're getting off on unrealistic situations And now, these young men, when they get into a real situation with a woman, they don't know what to do. And their penis doesn't get erect because they're so used to going from video to video, video to video, that their erection goes up and down and up and down. You see what I'm saying? Stimulated, unstimulated. Stimulated, unstimulated. So the body becomes used to this pattern. So now in real life, you know, they're constantly turned on, turned off, turned on, turned off. And if the woman doesn't match up to the porn stars, then they're turned off. If you're a, if you're a man and you get off on these porn stars who talk filthy and do filthy things, And then you meet a nice young lady who doesn't talk like that. And she's just more sort of basic in her sex. You're going to be turned off. Same thing for the woman. Same thing. If she's used to a certain male porn star and then she meets a shy guy who just, you know, he's comfortable in one position and doesn't want to take that extra step. She's gonna be like, eh? He's a nice guy, but I need—I need somebody more uh, kinky, you know. So pornography is ruining sex in our society. It's a shame. I, you know, obviously, I interviewed a lot of rap stars in my day, and one of them—I'm not going to say any names. He once said that he had so many threesomes that he had trouble having sexual relations with one girl now because he was so used to having threesomes and once you get this pornography in in your mind and once you get a few good orgasms you become addicted to this and this is lust this is the craving This is, it possesses you. It takes over your thoughts to the point you're at your job and you're just like, oh, I just want to do this person or I just want to go home and masturbate or you see someone walk by that you're attracted to and that triggers you, that triggers you, puts you into a lustful state. And if you're confident enough, you'll actually pursue. And that's the dance that we play, right? And all animals do in nature. When mating, they play the dance. They, you know, they check each other out. They smell each other. Like, what's up? What's going on here? And humans, they go through this whole song and dance. Right? The flirting stage, the dating stage. Right? Can't have sex on the first date because then you're... Uh, oh, so you have to, you know, wait to the third day or the fourth day. It's like this whole song and dance. Meanwhile, you're both lusty out of your minds. <laughs> a guy and girl, they know if they're attracted right away. First 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know. If there's a possibility of sexual relations, you know. But you still go through the song and the dance It's a phenomenon Sex sells You ever heard that saying? It's everywhere It's everywhere It's in your sitcoms It's in your movies It's in your video games It's in your magazines It's on your social media Right? We talked about selfie syndrome Myself and Phil On a past episode, right? Right? You got all these girls putting up their stories on their Facebook and their Instagram. A lot of them are scantily clad. They're showing their cleavage. If they got a big booty, they got to show it off, right? You can't just have a big booty and not show it off, right, ladies? Come on. And they're scantily clad on these stories and they're showing off their stuff. They love the attention. They're putting men in a state of lust. Ooh, I control you with my lust. (laughs) You become a prisoner to this lust. And no one's more lusty than a teenage boy. (laughs) Hmm. These 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old boys, they are horny. You better believe it. And they go to school and they see these young girls that they're so attracted to and if they're not confident to pursue it, they're masturbating their brains out. They're possessed by lust. Prisoner. Prisoner. So where am I going with this, huh? And how does this match up to the spiritual side of things? Well, just a few minutes ago, I told you why an orgasm is special. Many religious traditions, you know, in the Christian tradition, it's kind of, well, only have sex with your husband or wife. You know, wait till marriage. I respect that quite a bit because you're holding off the lust. Um, Islam the woman covers up it's a form of modesty right people you know American and European cultures look at the Arabic culture of Islam and they think that the women are like slaves they're not they're not they want to cover up it's part of their tradition if they're a sexy woman they don't want to make men lusty so they cover up. And if that's your wife, you want your wife to cover up because you don't want her to make another man lusty. In America, the women make everyone lusty. (laughs) Think about this. This, don't, isn't that respectful? And uh, the Hasid's do the same thing. The Hasid's The mystical Jews, you know them, with the beards and the outfits and the yarmulkes or the hats. The women in the Hasid Jewish tradition do the same thing. They dress modestly. In fact, sometimes they wear wigs. A lot of times they wear wigs. They don't even want their real hair to be shown. No. Because the Hasidic Jews and the Muslim women, they... Preserve their sexuality for their husband. Is that not respectful? Do you not respect that? Hmm. Different tradition. Hinduism. The women wear like these gowns. I don't know the proper name for them, but they wear gowns. they're not in tight jeans and you know showing cleavage. No, it's respectful. Here in America, you have a woman with showing cleavage and, 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 a, and a, 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 a wearing a crucifix cross. Well, I'm Christian, <laughs> but take a look at these. <laughs> oh, it's hysterical. These are observations. These religious traditions have different views on on sex a lot of them promote less sex some of them have arranged marriages a lot of Hindu the Hindu tradition arranged marriages the Hasidic tradition sorta has arranged marriages it's this thing where one family and another family come together and the man and the woman go on like a date or two and they hit it off they get married They don't need to be attracted to each other. Nothing. Why? Because it's a partnership. It's a union. It's a spiritual journey. There's significance in that that Americans don't understand. Because us Americans, we fall in love and get married and then get divorced a lot of times. Not realizing that the love that we feel is not real love. Love has nothing to do with marriage. That's romance. That's infatuation. That's not love. Get familiar with Prem Vishrant, who I had on this podcast, episode number 42. That's real love. Get familiar with Dr. Robert Morse, who I have coming up on episode 49. Real love is being able to hug a stranger, man. It's being able to love everybody, to love every animal, every tree. That's real love. I felt this when I met the blue antelope. I completely felt this. That he was in love with everybody, everything, the entire universe. That week changed my life. And of course, I've detailed that all throughout this whole podcast series. Episode 20, I tell the full story if you haven't heard it. The blue antelope was love. And this is what happens. They say your love for your master or your guru is greater than any husband or wife you can ever have. That's the opening of the heart. (laughs) It's not, this is my wife. I love you. And I love no other woman. (laughs) That's not real love. So there's something behind these arranged marriages that's very profound that we're going to partner up with the objective to develop ourselves and open our hearts to real love. And not only will I love you, my wife, and you'll love me, your husband, but we'll love everybody. But we need to be together and be partners because we need to raise kids and hold down a household and make it through this world. As partners. I think it's beautiful. I really do. In America, we get married and, you know, as soon as the sex fades away, you know, people start cheating on each other and then they get mad that you cheated. And it's this whole thing. You, you get divorced, you lose tons of money, you you go through grief. What an interesting dynamic, huh? Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. You remember that song? I think it was a Salt and Pepper song back in the day. Anyway, Gautama the Buddha once told his monks, "Look at every woman you come across as your sister, and that will take the lust away." He never said don't have sex. Of course, a lot of people misunderstood him. And there's no recordings. So most monks, most Buddhist monks don't have sex. Some do. They get married. And they do. But most don't. Obviously, priests, Catholic priests, don't get married. The problem with this is there's repression. And repression is very dangerous. If you repress anger, it turns to resentment. If you repress your lust, then it's going to turn into lusty outbreaks, so to speak. And I think it's safe to assume this is why you see a lot of priests who get caught in sexual misconduct, whether it's with kids, adults, whatever, because they're repressing their sexuality. Monks are repressing their sexuality. You never want to repress. Repressing is dangerous. If you feel a need, if you're in a lusty mood, then okay. Have sex with your partner. Masturbate. Do what you gotta do to get that release. But, here's the big but. When you become self-realized and you elevate to an enlightened state, lustiness will drop and that's what people don't understand you see most people think it's either sex or no sex and they're going from one extreme to the next no when it drops it drops just like anger same thing if you're a very angry person and you, and you get angry all the time. Let it out. Don't repress it. Right? Scream. Hit a punching bag. Go to a therapist. Go to the gym. Whatever you got to do. Get that anger out. But the more you elevate, the more you become self-realized and walk this spiritual path, the anger will eventually drop. It'll dissipate. And all of a sudden, you won't be angry anymore. It'll be gone. Same thing with fear. Same thing with pride. Same thing with judgment and opinions. They drop. They just drop away. Like a snake shedding its skin. It's just gone. Sex is the same thing. When that lustiness just goes right away. It'll go. That's why becoming a monk or a priest is dangerous. It can be very dangerous. Because these might be people who have not reached that self-realization state. And they're becoming a monk or a priest in order to do that and get closer to God, etc. And now they're repressing. Now they're repressing. And when you repress, you're just asking for the volcano to erupt. Never repress. Ever. Understand that. A few centuries after Gotama the Buddha, a branch formed. There was a genuine by the name of Sarha. And Sarha was an enlightened Buddhist who came to the realization that he shouldn't repress his sexual energy. And that sex was And could be a beautiful thing. If used correctly. This became known as Tantra. It's ancient. And it's a beautiful, beautiful tradition. It's about loving life. And being joyful. And sex is part of that. And so they develop ways for two people to merge their energy. That's what sex is supposed to be, a merging of energy. It's not supposed to be getting bent over a table, getting your hair pulled, and your booty smacked. That's not what it's supposed to be. (laughs) That's animalistic nature. We're supposed to transcend animalistic nature. That's the whole point of being human. Animal comes from the word animation. We're in animation. We're in a dreamlike illusionary state. The lila, the maya, the mirage, the drama. And sex can be a part of that. About an inch underneath your belly button is your hara. Your hara is where your life energy is. It's very important to understand. In fact, samurai Japanese warriors, when they committed suicide, whether it was because they they were defeated by their enemy or, or they dishonored someone, they took their life by jabbing their sword into their hara. Many enlightened masters get a feeling in their Hara nine months before they're going to die. This is very significant because we stay in our mother's womb for nine months. Nine months is significant. Many enlightened masters know they're going to die before they die. Yogananda knew it. Osho knew it. Ramana Maharshi knew it, and when you know that you're going to die in about nine months, you're able to bring your disciples around and sort of come up with a, you know, a plan on how things carry on, things of this nature. So the Hara is where the energy is. It's a chakra. Now, when this energy goes downward, it becomes sexual. When this energy goes upwards, it becomes spiritual. Many people call it the kundalini. When you can get the energy to go upwards and get it all the way up to your third eye, the pineal gland, boom. (laughs) Magic is going to (laughs) happen. Have you ever seen the kundalini symbol? It's the same as the medical symbol, pretty much. Caduceus, a traditional symbol of Hermes, (laughs) features two snakes winding around uh, a winged staff with the wings at the top, right? In some kundalini, you might see the chakras on the staff going up. When you get to the top, that's when the wings come out. When that life force energy hits the top. A great blossoming happens. Like a flower opening up. You'll get glimpses into things you couldn't even imagine. Visions. You'll see colors. If you can get it to stay there that's when you start going through the black hole and getting getting to a self-realized state. But sometimes it just goes up and you get it for a little bit. And I mean, you can feel it tingling, like warm energy just tingling, like pressure. But when it goes downwards... You get lusty. Now, in the tantra, the tantric traditions, they have sexual methods. Where two people can come together and have a different kind of sex. A kind of sex that's not lusty. You look into your partner's eyes for a long period of time. The eyes are the window to the soul. You caress each other. You massage each other. You, by the time it's time for intercourse, it's based on breathing in certain positions. It's not pornographic. It's not ejaculatory. In fact, these tantric sessions could last four or five hours. You make a scene out of it. You light candles. You have a specific room that you go to. There's a process to it. There's a magic to it. And two people can put their energies together, get their chakras going, and they can create What we would call soul sex or an enlightened state for those two people this has the potential to be a beautiful 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 experience at the time of this recording I've never done it so I can't speak from experience as far as tantric sex I have not found a partner it's not exactly easy. <laughs> you can't, like, go to the mall and be like, hey, shorty, what's up? You want to do some tantric sex?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, you got to be in the right circles. Or you're in a relationship already and you propose it to your partner and you guys do it together. And there's books you can buy, and Osho is big on this. He talks about it, and many others. Now, Osho is really the guy that brought tantra back, right? They call him the sex guru, <laughs> you know, because the media and outsiders, you know, they get they get scared of this stuff, and they have to stereotype it and give it a name or give a person a name, and you know make it make sense in newspaper headlines so he got stereotyped as a sex guru but he only had one sex book he had 700 other ones but he wrote a book called from sex to Superconsciousness." it's his most famous book and that book will show you the way he was just bringing tantra back and showing people that you shouldn't repress your sexual energy try it this way so you can get glimpses of what enlightenment is and once you get glimpses of what enlightenment is then you become motivated to put in the discipline to become a self-realized human being right go back to episode 42 preem Vishrant became motivated after he met osho and osho stopped his mind then after his near-death experience on the boat where he was sinking and he thought him and his girlfriend were going to die eaten by sharks after they survived, he became even more motivated then he started having satoris same thing with a tomb the last episode, 44, with a tomb he had experiences, They, they helped him become motivated same thing with me going back to 2011 when I had my first Satori, I became motivated. I became a seeker, you know? And then when I met the blue antelope, it was like, whoa, this is a human being that I'm more motivated to be like the blue antelope than I am to be like Jay-Z or Howard Stern, which was my obsession before the blue antelope. These things, they motivate you. You want more. You're like, wow, what was that? You mean I'm I'm capable. Of walking around this earth in a blissful state to never face anger or fear or lust ever again? How do I do it? It's available. It's available. It just takes discipline. Tantric sex is a great way to not repress your sexual energy. and to still be spiritual before your sexuality drops. And that's what Osho said. He said his sexuality dropped eventually. He said he enjoyed sex before enlightenment, he enjoyed sex after enlightenment, but eventually it just dropped. No need for it. Because you don't want sex on your mind when you die we've talked about this many times I mean isn't that basically what this podcast is about dying death is the most important moment of your life most important event and if you're fortunate enough not to go unexpectedly and you have an opportunity to lay down and relax and you can meditate into death you can Sing and dance into death. That's the beauty of it. That's what you want. You don't want to be laying in the bed distracted because you're horny and you die horny. You don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want that karma. And you don't want to die angry. You don't want to die fearful. And you don't want to die watching TV. This must be understood don't repress your sexual energy but if you watch pornography stop watching it if you're gonna partake in masturbation don't do it through video just use your imagination or whatever but don't repress but don't go to the extreme of pornography those you gotta detox those visuals out of your system. It's not real, okay? Just like Friday the Thirteenth isn't real. Just like Freddy Krueger isn't real. Just like Halloween, M- Michael Myers isn't real. Get it out of your mind. Detox it out. Cleanse yourself. Become pure. Mahatma Gandhi is another example. He repressed. His sexuality. He became celibate at the age of 40. Right? I'm 40 right now. So I I can only imagine. And he thought he was doing the right thing. He hadn't reached a state of enlightenment yet. So he was repressing. And eventually down the line, there were reports of him, you know, sleeping in the bed with young girls and stuff like that. So... And that's not to take away all the beauty Mahatma Gandhi gave the world, okay? Let's, let's stop thinking in extremes that somebody is oh-so-good or oh-so-bad. No. Gandhi did a lot for this world. A lot. And I'm okay with him having some flaws and some ego struggles on the side. So did Martin Luther King... Martin Luther King did a lot for this country of America. Was he unfaithful to his wife? He was. He's human. Human. And unless you become a self-realized human being, you're always going to be plagued by anger, fear, lust, pride, etc. Opinion. Nobody's perfect. But the point of this episode is to explain to you sex and lust, because I've had talks with students or friends, and when the topic of sex comes up, you know, you know, they they get defensive. No, I'm not. You crazy? I'm not giving up my sex. No way. Blah blah blah. You know, it's just like talking about potato chips or ice cream. I'm not giving that up. No way. Because people are addicted to stimulation. Anything that stimulates your five senses, you can become addicted to. Anything. It could be a smell. It could be a TV show. It could be a food. It could be a sexual partner. It could be masturbation. It could be a certain type of music. You become attached. You start clinging. And we gotta start letting go the next episode i'm talking to bill scammons he and i are gonna talk about letting go let go because if you don't let go you're gonna get dragged (laughs) let me say that again if you don't let go you're going to get dragged My recommendation to you is to read a tantric book. If you're into sex, read a tantric book. Whether it's the Osho one I gave you or another one. Uh, Mantuck Chia talks about tantric sex a lot. And He's a master that's still alive right now. Uh, And I'm sure there's many others as well. Learn about it. Understand it. You don't want to be an addict where you're masturbating three times a day. Even once a day, it's suspect. It'd be much more meaningful if it was once every two weeks or something like that. And your sexual partner, you don't need to be having sex every day. You don't even need to be having sex once a week. Start spreading it out so it's not all the time start breaking your addiction it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it but break the addiction it's like pizza right do you love pizza would it be bad if you had pizza every day yes of course it would is it bad if you had it once a month I don't think so vegan pizza or non-vegan pizza depending on what your preference is once a month Ain't going to kill you. It's when you take something destructive and you do it over and over and over and over again. Like that lab rat that we talked about earlier that kept hitting the button and died. Didn't know any better. Couldn't be saved from itself. And that's what we do. Don't repress. And don't overindulge overindulgence is all the way on the left and repression is all the way on the right. Go towards the middle. Go towards the middle. And if you walk the spiritual path and you start becoming self-realized and the the sexual energy, the life force energy starts going upwards instead of downward, you're going to end up being motivated and you're going to eventually drop lust anyway. It's going to drop away. You're not going to need it. You're going to feel like you had an orgasm every day. <sighs> you're going to be laying there that feeling you get after an orgasm where you're all so relaxed. You're going to feel that every day. Every moment of every day. It's bliss. It's bliss. Relaxation. So, I hope you got something out of this recording. I got some really great recordings coming up. Like I said, Bill Scammon on Letting Go, next episode. Um, I'm gonna be talking to Dr. Robert Morse, which is just incredible, my old health teacher. I'm gonna be talking to John Scott, who claims he met God in a near-death experience and that he gets visions now. When we going be talking to him. You know, you can really start connecting the dots On all this stuff. This isn't just a podcast. This is an album. This is an album. It's going to end. I'm not going to continue this podcast week after week. There is an ending date coming. And it's going to be a body of work. An album. And if you listen to all 50 episodes. You're going to be able to connect so many dots. You're going to be able to take your practice to the next level you read the five books that i gave you on episode 40 watch the documentary i told you about on episode 40 and listen to this podcast over and over again don't just listen to all 50 episodes once do it twice audio is powerful let my voice soothe you let my delivery put you into a meditative state while You're receiving information that you can use to help yourself in your life. Go to DrReese.com. That's doctor spelled out. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.